Green Mountain Dental Group is a family-owned business that has been a staple in Lakewood for over 40 years. Whether it's cosmetic, oral surgery, or preventative dentistry, at Green Mountain Dental Group you will find nothing but the best. We have chosen Green Mountain Dental and will continue to attend Green Mountain Dental because of the superior care that we receive from them. Their facility is amazing and above all, it's the personal touch that we receive from the people there, including Dr. Ben Jr. and Ann and Mary and Sherry and Marie. They've known me was my husband, my children, and now my grandchildren, and are just incredible with all of us. That was Annette. She's been a patient at Green Mountain Dental Group since 1976 and truly loves their service. Never did I think in 1976 how blessed we would be to recognize the people at Green Mountain Dental and are so thankful that they have been a part of our lives. For all new patients, Green Mountain Dental Group offers free teeth whitening trays when you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam. Just mention BSN Denver. Welcome in to the BSN Nuggets podcast. Joined by a special guest, Mason Plumlee. I thought he was going to knock that ref out in L.A. <laughs> Coaches will get testy with officials, but to run out onto the court and yeah. cut him off, yeah. I've never seen that before. You should have taken a charge on him. That <laughs> a special guest, Darrell Arthur. When did you first realize Nicole Jokic was good? He was in Philadelphia for Jameer's kind of like team bonding thing, and I knew it right away that he was going to be good. He was making great passes and good reads and stuff like that, and I said, this kid's going to be good. He's turned out to be a star. He has a great upside to him, and I know he'll be a Hall of Famer once he's done playing. And now, here's your hosts, Harrison Wind and Christian Clark. What's going on? Welcome to the BSN Nuggets podcast. We're presented by The Green Solution. Visit any one of their 17 Colorado locations or browse their entire inventory online, mygreensolution.com. You can also reserve products online and pick up at your local TGS Express checkout where you'll be in and out in minutes. And if you use promo code BSN20, you can get 20% off your entire purchase. Harrison Wynn and Christian Clark here. Late Thursday night, early Friday morning, the Nuggets fall in game six to the Portland Trailblazers, 119-108. We've got another game seven Sunday at Pepsi Center. Not sure of the exact time on that one yet. It'll either be 1.30 or 7.30 at the time we're recording this. It's going to be determined based on what happens in this Rockets and Warriors games tomorrow. If that series goes seven and if the Rockets win that game six, the Nuggets will... I would assume be at 7.30 and they'd have that Warriors and Rockets game seven prime time at 1.30. So another game seven, man. You ready for it? I'm thinking it's going to be at 1.30 because I like the Warriors in that game. I think we're going to see like wow, okay. some 2015 Warriors-ish on that. I like the Rockets in that game for the record, but I see where you're coming from. And from you know a media perspective, I'm rooting hard for 1.30. So I can write my fireball, get home and watch Game of Thrones, even though this <laughs> season has been kind of terrible. Well, the Nuggets fall in game six this evening. They lose 119-108 to the Trailblazers. There's a lot to get into from this game. I want to start really with what I thought was probably the biggest storyline of this game, and we'll get into Denver's bench, which continues to just really struggle, and it's 
honestly, a storyline that I didn't think we'd be talking about a lot considering how good they were for most of this season. And we'll get into maybe some defensive struggles that Denver had mainly on uh, McCollum and Rodney Hood. But Damian Lillard had his best game of the series, I thought, tonight. He goes for... 32 points, 11 to 23 shooting, shot 6 of 13 from 3, 5 assists to go with that in 36 minutes. What did he do tonight that he wasn't able to do in games 1 through 5 as much? Well, I saw two things that I can point to. Uh, Number one, pretty obvious, went logo Lillard on them. I mean, just hit some demoralizing 35-foot threes or, or whatever they were in the third quarter. There's just not a whole lot you can do about that. I mean, if he's going to hit those shots with consistency, then that sucks. And, you know, it's it's just going to be really hard for you to win that night. And also, I saw him get by Jokic and Denver's bigs a lot in the pick and roll. Um, he scooted by them, by them a, a lot tonight with more mm-hmm. regularity than I, than I saw in the previous game. So, you know, problems outside and in. I mean, <laughs> Lillard, he, he's so tough. He, he's a threat from literally anywhere on the floor as soon as he crosses the half-court line. I agree with both those things. Something else I saw, and I think this goes back to something we've touched on throughout the series, but he's been getting a lot of the same looks throughout this series that he got against the Thunder, and Denver has done a great job of trapping him off that high pick and roll, and Denver's defense has just been so disciplined for much of this series, and they took a little bit of a step back on that end of the floor, but I think for a large part, Lillard got a lot of the same looks tonight as he's been getting throughout the series. The only difference was he just hit those open threes tonight. I think he was shooting something like 25% from three coming into this series. Shot 6 to 13 from beyond the arc tonight. And just hit a lot of those one dribble pull-ups coming right around that high ball screen that he missed earlier this series. You know, right before Jokic or Plumlee are able to get up at the level of the ball, if they're a step or two late, he's been able to get off that shot throughout this series. He hasn't hit it a ton. He's been shooting it terribly from three, like I just said, but... He made more of them tonight than you know he's made in any of these previous five games. So I feel like that was a big difference. He just made a lot of shots tonight that he's missed throughout the first five games of the series. But this was probably his best game. I know he had, what, 39 in game one, but he seemed to really control this game more. And obviously he hit more threes in this one as well. So that seemed like the big story to me. Yeah, I, I think this was better than game one because a lot of those points came in the fourth quarter in, in garbage time when the game was kind of decided already, I would say. I mean, Lillard, he made his big biggest shots tonight, I thought, in the third quarter when Portland was really, you know, kind of put this game away or, or made it really difficult for Denver to come back. Lillard finished with 17 in the third quarter, made three threes, six of 10. I mean, that was just a an explosion like we haven't seen from him this series. I mean, he was incredible. Denver controlled this game right out of the gate. They lead 34 to 26 after the first quarter. I thought just played a great first quarter. Their defense looked to be really locked in. They were generating good offense. Jokic just had one of those classic Nikola Jokic quarters where he was scoring, assisting, rebounding. This looked like it was heading towards a Denver victory. The first quarter buzzer sounds... And I looked down at the box score, and I'm like, wow, Nicole Jokic and Gary Harris and Jamal Murray, these guys played the entire first quarter. I can't remember the last time that's happened, but the bench comes in in the second, and Denver loses what was an eight-point lead in about two and a half minutes. And 
this whole this bench the entire postseason has really struggled. It's been one of the storylines we've hit on a lot. There's a couple reasons I think why they might look worse in a playoff setting than they, they did in the regular season. But I'll tell you this: coming into the playoffs, I didn't expect the bench to look like this. I didn't either, man. I mean, I, I said when we when we talked about guys you most believe in going into the postseason, I said Jokic number one that held up pretty well, and I think I said Monte Morris number two. That did not hold up well at all, and maybe that was kind of dumb in retrospect. He is kind of an undersized guard that that's who's not terribly athletic. You know, sometimes those are the guys who who just don't look as effective come postseason time. Monte was not a factor at all in this game. He played two and a half minutes. He was out of the rotation in the second half, pretty much. I mean, it's it's just been a really tough postseason for him. Still hasn't hit a three, right? Right. He's over still. I mean, and now he's you know only taking like one a game at the most. So, yeah, and I mean Malik really struggled in this game. Plumlee has has been pretty bad in the in the postseason in general. Will Barton has been really freaking hit or miss. Yeah. So I, I mean I I just tweeted out the the updated Jokic on off numbers. Nuggets are a plus sixty one, and Jokic is two hundred fifty three minutes on in this series. They're a minus forty four, and it's fifty five minutes off. That's unconsciousable. That that just doesn't seem real to be minus forty four in fifty five minutes. That's unbelievable. Yeah, it's pretty crazy looking at that differential right there. It does not seem like that should even be possible. Jokic, ten points, five rebounds, four assists in this first quarter. And then the Nuggets turned the reins over to the bench in that second quarter and like I just said, lost the lead. And I don't think anybody on this bench played particularly well tonight. Will Barton had a moment or two here and there. Mason Plumley might have had a moment or two, but I mean, Will Barton was a minus 25 in 26 minutes tonight. He hit a three, but that was about it. And Denver's bench shot a combined four of 18 from the field, one of eight from three. Malik Beasley was 0 of eight from the field, 0 of four from three. He looked like he was rushing his shots a lot really the entire night. And that group could never really find a rhythm. Do you have any hypothesis as to why the bench just has not looked as good as it has in the regular season. Any individual or, or thing you can point to? Well, how much should we talk about Monte Morris as the glue of this bench unit? The the thing or the factor or the person that just made everyone shine a little brighter. I, I think that was a really real thing. He, he just made everybody look a little bit better. And may, maybe not Malik Beasley, because Malik Beasley's like a stud and we saw what he did when he went with the starters. I, I think he could, you know, fill it up no matter who he played with, really. But Exactly, yeah. Yeah, I, I think the biggest factor is Monte Morris. I mean, Plumlee's success was heavily linked to Monte Morris during the regular season, and both those guys have faded to come postseason time. What about you? Yeah, Monte's one that jumps out because he was so solid throughout the regular season, and he was dependable. He was one of Denver's best shooters from three. Obviously, the historic assist to turnover numbers that he was posting, you thought that would translate. But um, he, he just hasn't really found that groove, hasn't really found that rhythm. Something I've been thinking about, and Michael Malone alluded to this after the game, actually, the fact that your bench is already playing less minutes together in a playoff setting than they are in a regular season setting. You know, say they come in at the four-minute mark of the first quarter during the regular season and play all the way up until the seven- or eight-minute mark of the second quarter. In the playoffs, that time is already going to be cut down. You know, maybe they come on at the one- or two-minute mark of the first quarter, and your starters come back in at the nine- or ten-minute mark of the second. So the playing time is already getting 
cut down a little bit. And when you play fewer minutes, it's you know, got to be a little tougher to get in a rhythm. So the fact that those guys are already playing fewer minutes together in a playoff environment, it's going to be tough to get into a rhythm anyway. And the fact that they also have a shorter leash, I think that probably makes a couple guys play a little tighter. And Monte Morris felt that leash uh, in game six. He didn't even play in the second half. That was surprising because as far as I can remember, that was the first time he's been benched this entire season for poor play. And so that was, you know, that that was pretty surprising to see. I don't really blame Mike Malone because the bench wasn't giving him anything. Monte Morris wasn't giving him much. So maybe just the cut down in minutes and the short leash that these guys have, maybe that's contributing to it as well. And how many guys in this roster do you think Michael Malone has real confidence in right now? Your five starters. Yeah. That's about it, right? <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I guess you can't even say he's real confidence in Beasley. I mean, we saw that quadruple overtime game. He did not want to put Beasley in there. Yeah. I mean, look, I know Beasley had a bad night tonight, but Beasley has been a stud overall. But yeah, it's it's those five starters, really. Man, that, that's tough. And. Those five starters, like, they got off to that great start, and then I felt like the bench obviously lost the momentum in the second quarter, and Denver was really just never able to get it back, even when they went back to their starters at the end of the second half, and even at the beginning of the third quarter. That stretch to begin the second quarter, that just gave the Blazers enough confidence to be like, all right, you know, we're right here. You know, We can play with these guys from here on out, and it seemed like they really carried that throughout the rest of the night. And it ended in a 119-108 win for Portland that, you know, they kind of cruise in that fourth quarter, it seems. So we've got game seven coming up on Sunday. Well, we'll see what time it's at, but should be fascinating. Damian Lord's first game seven, Gary Harris, Jamal Murray, Nikola Jokic's second. I think that's pretty funny when you look at it. All right, let's hit a break real quick. A lot more to get to on this game. We'll be right back on the BSN Nuggets podcast. Piper Electric has been a part of the Denver community for over 35 years. Their reputation of being fairly priced, trustworthy, and dependable has allowed them to become one of the best Denver electrical contractor companies in the market. We believe Piper is the best because of their professionalism, because of their capability, because of their integrity, and because of the relationship we have built over the last year and a half with several of their key managers. That was Jim. He's been a customer of Piper Electric for over a year now and loves it so much that he recommends his own clients to them. Sometimes customers will ask us if we know of somebody who can be their regular electrician where they could call for anything from a small job to something much larger, maybe a remodel. And so we certainly have preferred people to Piper and Piper to them. From residential, commercial, and industrial, Piper Electric can handle all of your electrical needs. They've done actually everything from repairing a small wiring situation with a circuit breaker panel to adding additional circuits, adding parking lighting. So really, they have become a one-stop shop for all of our needs. If you call today and use the promo code BSN, you will get $25 off your next service call. That's 303-646-6765 or go to piperelectric.com. Welcome back to the BSN Nuggets podcast. As always, we're presented by The Green Solution. If you use promo code BSN20 on mygreensolution.com, you can get 20% off your entire purchase. Harrison Wynn and Christian Clark here post-game following the Nuggets loss in Game 6, 119-108. Denver Falls in Portland. Game 7 will be Sunday at Pepsi Center. 
the second game seven for Denver in as many series in these playoffs. So we talked about Lillard going off. C.J. McCollum, who we have both said has been Portland's best player this entire series, had another just great game, 30 points for him on 12 of 24 from the field. He was fantastic tonight. He was a plus 10. Lillard was only a minus 2 in this game. McCollum has one of the most aesthetically pleasing games in the NBA. He's so smooth. I just love watching that guy play. He's very smooth. Like, I just, it's unbelievable to me that he's able to dominate like this, and he's I think he just has average quickness. Like, if, if he was to line up against all the other guards in the NBA for, like, a 100-yard dash, I think he would finish in the middle of the pack. Yeah. He just doesn't have that crazy speed, but he's still able to, to get by guys so easily. I just love watching him go slow to fast and change direction, too. Right. He's got that change of speed like James Harden does. You yeah. Know, except for the flopping aspect of it. McCollum, kind of. McCollum is just a hooper, man. Yeah. I mean, a guy is just born to play basketball. For sure. So he goes off. Lord goes off. Rodney Hood also goes off. And Rodney Hood's been a bit of a thorn in Denver side all series. He's had a great series. And he goes 8-12 from the field. Hits three triples tonight. 25 points for him. Obviously, his playoff high, or his series high. He was a plus 21 in 32 minutes. How was he able to give Denver problems? Was it just his length? And a lot of times he was guarded by Jamal Murray, who he's going to have, you know, six, seven inches on. He was also guarded by Will Barton at times, who he's still got a height advantage on. He just seemed to, obviously he had some threes, but also get to the rim and get to that mid-range that he's been able to get to for a lot this series. What was he just doing that Denver couldn't stop? Yeah, I mean, it's just a guy who whose confidence has you're watching it be reborn in, in real time. I mean, it seemed like he lost all confidence in Cleveland. It pretty much didn't even even have a role there by the end of it. And he's been huge in this series. I mean, we, we've seen this year that rangier wings who are able to to make some plays and get their own shot off the dribble have, have given Denver issues. I mean, Denver just doesn't have, like, a, a whole lot of natural small forwards on their roster. I mean, Torrey Craig, uh, Will Barton, he's a little undersized for small forwards after that. Mm-hmm. Nobody. I mean, there's not, like, th- those guys that you can just throw out there on, on wings for, like, 32 minutes a night. They don't have Wilson Chandler on this roster even anymore. You know, say what you want about Wilson Chandler. But, yeah, man, I mean, Rodney Hood is a, a wing who's tall. He's long, and, and he can kind of get his shot off the dribble, and that's given Denver issues. Rodney Hood goes off for 17 points in game one, 15 points in game two, 19 in that quadruple overtime game in game three, and kind of wins that game for Portland down the stretch with his fresh legs. Seven points in game four, 14 in game five, 25 tonight in game six. He's had a great series. I think he's been Portland's third best player probably as Cantor has really faded here over these last few games. He doesn't look like the player he was in games one and two. Does Denver need to make any drastic adjustments to guard Rodney Hood? Do they need to take a guy like Wancho off their bench who at 6'10 can at least match up with Hood from a height standpoint and throw him on this Blazer swingman? Do they need to play Torrey Craig with their bench more? so he can match up on Rodney Hood. Does Denver need to do anything drastic here? Here's my late-night Stephen A. Smith impersonation. You know I love Juancho Hernan Gomez. I'm on the record that a Juancho Hernan Gomez explosion is one of the most fun things about being a Denver Nuggets fan. But Juancho Hernan Gomez cannot play defense. 
yeah, I, I don't think he can defend Rodney Hood. But Christian, Juancho Aaron Gomez locked up Kevin Durant two years ago <laughs> in a regular season game. What do you mean he can't play defense? <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, uh, Juancho on defense, when he has to defend anybody who can put the fo- ball on the floor a little bit, it ends one of two ways. That guy shoots a layup or that guy gets the free throw line. And I love Juancho like he's my own brother. All right. I was I was pumped when he hit that corner three. I was doing a shimmy at the media table. I almost got booted. No, I actually wasn't doing that. But Juancho has just got to come a long way in the defensive end. I just I just and then too, I mean, you can't just like pick a guy off your bench who's been sitting there for what, three, four months now and and send him into the rotation in a playoff game. I mean, I don't know, unless you're like Greg Popovich, then that magically works. But that's not really a, a move you can make, I don't think. Yeah, shout out to my guy, Ryan Koningsberg, who came at me with the Wancho suggestion. He's been riding Wancho hard these playoffs. But I agree, I don't think you make a drastic move here. I, I just don't think you drastically alter your game plan to account for Rodney Hood. Yeah, he's had a good series, but still. I, I just don't think you do something too drastic to account for this guy who... You know, could have a good game seven, but I don't think he's worth totally adjusting and shifting your game plan for. Yeah, I mean, if if Jamal's out there with, with Will Barton, have Will Barton guard him a little bit more. And if I was yep. at Michael Malone, I'd be telling Will Barton before this game, hey, man, this guy has been killing us. I need you to get on him and shut him down this game and kind of hit him with a personal challenge. Here's what Denver needs. Denver needs Will Barton to text Michael Malone that he wants the Rodney Hood matchup, just like he texted... Mike Malone that he won that Paul George matchup. That seemed to get him going. Maybe Michael Malone needs to send the first text to get that going, though. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, Paul George with a bum right shoulder is... Yeah, he's still a lot better than Rodney Hood. Never mind. Yes, he's a lot better <laughs> than Rodney Hood with two healthy shoulders. So, yeah, I, I don't think Denver needs to do anything crazy here. Like, they sh- probably should have won this game if it wasn't for that bench relapse in that beginning of the second quarter there. So, I think they just got to stick to their game plan. They should be favorites in Game 7. Then again, facing Damian Lord in a Game 7 is terrifying. But Denver now has big game experience. I feel like we've spoken about how they're this young and inexperienced club heading into the playoffs and at times over these first two series. But, hey, they've already played in a Game 7. And they beat a Spurs team barely, but... They still beat them. They're 1-0 in Game 7. So I think Denver should still feel confident with their game plan. And yeah, just try not to get Jamal Murray matched up on Rodney Hood as much as he was here in Game 6. Try to get Will Barton on him if that's you know a potential matchup out there. And maybe that helps you out a little bit. But he had a great night tonight. He's had a great series. I do feel bad for the team that's going to give Rodney Hood that contract this summer, though. <laughs> A ton of teams have cap space. So it's someone's pro- giving it to it's them. It's probably going to be the Lakers. Ooh. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, he was awful in Cleveland. Probably not. Oh, you're right. You're right. It's definitely not going to be the Lakers. But also, Le- <laughs> LeBron's probably like blocked Rodney Hood's cell phone number by now. <laughs> LeBron's kind of chilling in the background right now. So maybe Rob Polinkel, I don't know, give him 60 over four. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, yeah, I, I do feel for whatever team gives Rodney Hood that contract this summer. Ennis Cantor, too, while we're here. Yeah. Even though I think I, I actually like Ennis Cantor a lot more than you, I think. But you do. Yeah, I would, I would definitely, <laughs> you're, on, you're on record about that. I would you definitely do. not pay him. That's for sure. Who do you think gets more money, Rodney Hood or Ennis Cantor? Rodney Hood. Definitely, yeah. Yep. A few more things we want to get to on this game. 
We got to hit another break, though. We'll be right back on the BSN Nuggets podcast. The biggest benefits of CBD are our cognitive, our neuroprotection, neuroregeneration, anti-inflammatory, and then a lot of the most common situations that, that people are taking it are for pain. That is Arthur Jaffe, a former CU Buffs football player and founder of Elixinol, a Colorado-based company focused on providing the highest quality of CBD oil and hemp extracts in the world. Like Arthur mentioned earlier, CBD has significant medical benefits and isn't limited to just athletes. Everyone can take it, from adults and children to even your dog. I wished I would have learned about it or that it would have been more prominent at a younger age to potentially have, have given my father a, a significant opportunity to fight prostate cancer, which ultimately took his life when I was 13. You know, I really think that it would have helped him. Arthur and the folks over at Elixinol's mission is to educate, inspire, and empower others to live naturally healthy, happy lives. To learn more and join the CBD conversation, check out Elixinol.com. We're back here on the BSN Nuggets podcast presented by The Green Solution. If you visit MyGreenSolution.com, type in promo code BSN20, you can get 20% off your entire purchase. Harrison Wynn and Christian Clark here. Late Thursday night, this will be our Friday edition of the program there was a little scuffle late in this game in the fourth quarter the series has been a little chippy here and there I don't think anything crazy about the standard amount of chippiness I think you get with any playoff series that goes deep that goes six or seven games these two teams are tired of one another so it happens when you play the same team this many times in a row but in the fourth quarter Nikola Jokic is driving to the hoop Zach Collins is defending. Uh, Jokic gets into the restricted area, begins to go up for the shot attempt, kind of jump stops, puts his shoulder into Collins. Collins with one of the flops of the year, I think, suddenly gets catapulted back like 10 feet, slides on the ground into Will Barton and almost hyperextends Will Barton's knee. Barton kind of gets up pissed. Seth Curry gives him a little shove. Those two shove back and forth a little, get in each other's faces. And things kind of progress from there. Torrey Craig gets into it. He's got to be restrained. Him and Evan Turner, a little pushing and shoving. Barton looks like he puts his finger up to Seth Curry's face. <laughs> Seth Curry had some interesting comments after the game about that part of the incident. What was your takeaway from what happened there? Oh, my God. A, a lot to digest there. Uh, number <laughs> that one, That was a lot. Number one, Zach Collins looked like he got hit by Thor's hammer there. I mean, he flew back so fast. I mean, that was that was an egregious flop. And you know what? Here's my thing with Zach Collins. Zach Collins is trying to fight everybody all the time. And I think that's fine in my book. But you can't be that guy and also be a flopper. Like, Draymond Green is one of my favorite players in the league. But Draymond Green backs it up, too. I, I just don't respect you if, you if you want that smoke all the time. But also, you're a flopper. And I think one of the reasons why Barton was kind of mad and, and maybe did overreact is because... Collins kind of fell into his knee, and if you ever play basketball, that's a really dangerous play, and that can kind of freak you out a little bit because that's how you you could suffer a really serious knee injury. So I think Barton did overreact by by kind of pushing Curry and sticking his finger into into his face a little bit, but I think part of that was probably because you know Collins went crashing into his knees, and if that's ever happened to you, that's a that's a really scary thing, I think. Definitely. And then we have kind of the face-to-face stuff with Barton and Curry and Craig and Evan Turner. 
Should Denver be worried about any potential suspension here? No. Yeah. Technicals were the right move. Everybody move on. I agree. I don't think there should be any suspensions here. Doesn't seem like Denver was overly worried about it in the postgame. We're both in Denver, but just from watching on TV, from what Will Barton had to say, what Michael Malone had to say, what Terry Stotts had to say, I don't, I don't think any teams are really worried about suspensions for Game 7. I would be shocked if there was anything that came down from the league. Oh, yeah, not overly worried about a suspension, but you know who was overly worried about the play? Steph Curry's brother? <laughs> yeah, Steph Curry's brother. I mean, please read you this quote. Uh, via Royce Young of ESPN. He waited for a few people to get in between us, and when a few people were in between us, he put his finger in my eye. I can't allow people to put their fingers in my eye. That's real sassy. They got some real sassy dudes over there. Front runners. I don't know what's worse from Curry here. The front runners or using sassy to describe <laughs> Will Barton and Tory Craig. I hope the Nuggets have warm-up shirts that say sassy front runners in game seven. Wow. That would be... D-Line Cole, where are you at right now? <laughs> sassy front runners. I mean, those are just like two words that I would never use to describe the Nuggets. Maybe we're too close. Maybe we're way too close to the situation, Christian, but... Sassy, first of all, like this team is most coaches around this team will say this. I mean, this team is one of the quietest groups around, like one of the least cocky or, you know, kind of in your face groups around. I mean, Jamal Murray's had some moments throughout the years, but I don't think this team would qualify as sassy. And and did he watch the first round? Like they were about to go down 0-2, Jamal Murray has a freaking fourth-quarter explosion. They tie it up. They go down two games to one. They come back and tie it and win it in seven. Like, did you just watch what happened? Did you watch the Nuggets in the regular season? They're 12-1 and one on the second night of back-to-backs. They're the opposite of front runners. Yeah, and the, the front runners thing, it's like, I don't see how you could say that about this team after what happened this season and, yeah, how that first round transpired. Front runners, yeah, that was... That was certainly interesting. But we'll see if that bleeds over into Game 7. Just another added storyline here ahead of Game 7 that I'm sure Will Barton and the Nuggets won't forget about ahead of this game. What are you expecting in Game 7? Do you think this is going to be a kind of similar game to what we've seen this series? More offense than defense? Especially as these last few games have been? Or what do you think is going to happen? You know, I don't think this is going to look like the ugly slugfest that the Game 7 against the Spurs looked like. I mean, that was just a struggle for, for anybody to score some points. I, I think we are going to see a lot more offense in this one. Um, you know, I it might be a, a little bit uglier than your, your typical Denver-Portland one, but certainly more offense than we saw Denver and San Antonio in Game 7. I agree. That San Antonio and Denver series was just a slog, and I think we both thought that Game 7 would be just that. This series has been more like modern basketball, you know, so uh, I expect that's what we'll see in Game 7. Probably a you know game that's around what the, the point totals that we've seen over these last few games. And I mean, I think Denver wins this Game 7. And, you know, we might talk about this on a podcast before Sunday, but real quickly, Denver should win this game. They should win it, A, because they're at home, B, because they're just the better team. And I know 
a lot of people are going to be talking about Damian Lillard and his big game ability and his logo threes and how he's probably going to carry Portland to victory. I think Port- a lot of people will pick Portland to win this game, but I think Denver's shown throughout this series that you know they're the better team, and if they shoot, I'd say better than 40%. That's the barometer I've been using from three. They probably win. They shot 37.5% in this one, so they hit a couple more threes, and Rodney Hood doesn't continue to have the series of his lifetime. I think they'll win. Well, what did we pick coming into this series? We both had Nuggets in seven. We're right. I, I hope you listen to us. Once again, we're right. Everybody else is wrong. Once again. Wow. Cocky Harrison. I like it. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't want to be cocky, but like how many things have we been right about this year? A lot. Well, I think I've gotten a lot of the big picture stuff right, but uh, maybe the the details and uh, my picks. Yeah, my picks are pretty questionable. We don't have to count those. Okay, it's all about the big picture here. I answered this question when I had our uh, when I did our Thursday show so well. I want to get your take on this right off the top. We got this question on the Total Beverage Fan Hotline. This will be the last thing we talk about on this show, but. This is random. Where do you think Nikola Jokic ranks in the top 10 of players next season? Because I had a big three of LeBron, Kevin Durant, and Giannis. I had Kawhi Leonard fourth. And then I think there's a lot of different guys you could throw in there at fifth. But he's squarely in the top 10. I think. I'm curious how close you think he is to the top five. Do you mean my own personal list or like where I think he'll finish in the SI list? Your personal list. Oh, man. Off the, off the top of my head. Um, yeah, LeBron, Giannis, Kawhi, Harden. Durant in Durant, there, too. I think you still got to put Curry ahead of him. Probably sixth. Yeah. I think that's about what I said. He's in that range, I think, with Curry, Harden, Jokic, you know, there's a couple guys you could put in there, but I think he's clearly still behind LeBron, Durant, Giannis, Kawhi. That seems like the top four to me at this point in time. Not Harden? I think you can make an argument that Jokic is just as valuable as James Harden. Interesting. I I don't think so. <laughs> Not yet. But sixth, I mean, that that's still an incredible accomplishment. All right, I think that's all the time we got for tonight. Thanks for listening, guys. Tough loss for Denver on Thursday night. They fall in Game 6, 119 to 108 to Portland. Game 7 is Sunday in Denver. Should be a fun one. Should be a raucous atmosphere at Pepsi Center for the second Game 7 that the Nuggets will have this playoff run. Should be a great one. We'll talk to you guys later. Hey, BSN Denver listeners. We're really excited to tell you about some game-changing coffee. Strava Craft is the CBD-enriched coffee that has really changed lives. Their reviews are incredible. Make sure you check them out today. This CBD-infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS, and has helped decrease anxiety. You name it. CBD is all natural. It's also not psychoactive, and the coffee is rich and tasty. We could not recommend it anymore to our listeners. Check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off when you use the promo code BSN2019 at checkout to get your StravaCraft coffee for 20% off and shipped straight to your door.